Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, October 3rd, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So still lots to discuss. I mean, I just feel like, you know, we're obviously in the busy season, but lots of interesting content on our site, but also just news out of the kind of admissions world. Do you want to first, before we get into all the gossip and notes, do you want to just tell us a little bit about anything that's happening this week in terms of deadlines or notification dates? Yeah, the deadlines this week, um, Darden and um, Anderson, Okay. They, they have their round one application deadlines on Wednesday, as, as well as Amory Goizetta. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce Zeta? that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Unlike Fuqua Goizetta. <laughs> yeah. Um, and INSEAD uh, scheduled to release interview invites on Thursday for their round one. So, um, so a little bit of activity. We're going to start seeing more interview invites coming out. We probably will get an announcement from Harvard next week as to when they will release their interview invites, which will probably be the following week. So it's, we're starting to roll into interview invite season out of round one application deadline season for the very top schools. Yeah, and actually last year, I think this was the week that Harvard actually released interview invites for round one. But I, yeah, but they seem maybe they're a bit behind schedule or we'll find out. Maybe they'll make an, you know, maybe they will have already told everyone by the time this podcast airs when the invites are coming, but it should be, it's right. imminent. I really think it's going to yeah. be in the coming days here. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, best of luck to everyone working on all those applications, whether it's a Darden app that you're dropping in on Wednesday, or if you're just sitting on pins and needles waiting for news from <laughs> NC at HBS or, or anywhere, really. Um, Alex, speaking of these kind of top schools and things, I, I, I don't know if you, I think you were the one that alerted the team at Clear Admit to the fact that Kirsten Moss uh, is leaving Stanford as their dean of admissions. Uh, I was surprised to see that news. It's surprising in as much as um, Kirsten has a huge reputation in the industry. Yeah. Um, she spent a lot of time at Harvard as well as Stanford um, in, in, in this role. So, mm-hmm. And to leave this time of year or announce the, the exit at this time of year is quite puzzling, quite frankly, Graham. I mean, we all have a huge amount of respect for for Kirsten and everything she's accomplished in the industry, yeah. we hope um, that you know the departure is based on on um, you know good 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 reasons. Um, but but yeah, there's a little bit of speculation, and, and yeah, I'd I'd be a little bit um, concerned at this point. Yeah, I hope everything's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a yeah, it's a kind of an unexpected thing. And I, I think, you know, we have seen a lot of schools um, having this kind of changeover. I, I recently learned that Lisa Rios from NYU Stern has moved on, taken a role at, at McKinsey, I believe. So yeah, there's been some movement, but you're right. Normally this kind of stuff is announced like in the spring or, you know, it's sort of, there's a time when the transition is sort of most apt to take place. So yeah, this was a surprise. We'll probably learn more and keep everyone posted here. So stay tuned to future episodes. <laughs> and most importantly, best wishes to Kirsten. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hopefully whatever she's headed off to do is exciting. And uh, yeah, well, I'll try and t- touch base with her and have more news on that for next week. Uh, I guess we, I just want to remind everyone, we did publish a little thing which shows, since people are starting to think about interviews, we have a chart on our website that tells you whether you're going to be interviewing virtually or on campus and what, what schools are doing this year, because we're still in that 
sort of transition phase. So you can sort of see that on our website in the admissions tips. Uh, we also have, Alex, uh, what a reminder, today, uh, Monday, October 3rd, is our <laughs> monthly Clear Admit Plus webinar. So that's for anyone who's subscribed to Clear Admit Plus. They get to come and hang out with you and I for an hour on a Zoom kind of meeting. Uh, and those are those are fun. I mean, we basically just answer your questions and talk you through the application process and you know, usually give some general tips and things to kick things off, but pretty quickly move into Q&A. And I'm looking forward to, this will be the third month that we've done it, right? Yeah, yeah. And they are very, very um, good in as much as they're quite intimate, right? We yeah. get a very small group. We have lots of one-to-one conversation um, and, and so on and so forth. So um, yeah, very much looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. So over on the website, we've run a couple of Real Humans pieces. Uh, One was for Chicago Booth, where we got five students to share, you know, little tidbits about their application process, about life at Booth, what's been unexpected and, and how they're kind of enjoying the experience thus far. We also checked in with students, six students from Indiana Kelly. And, uh, you know, just hearing about that experience, too. One thing that was interesting, just the refrains from both of these groups of students are, you know, a lot about how, I I can't remember which student it was, but somebody said that, you know, that you should use the application process is, rather than having it feel like a chore, which I think when people are grinding away on those essays and and (laughs) data forms, it feels like a chore. But one of the candidates, I think it was a woman named Annalise Escher, who's a Chicago Booth student, she said that um, having a clear understanding and a unified narrative for your trajectory and what an MBA would add, make the process of applying feel more like professional development than a chore. So just good advice there about how, you know, this is really meant to be helpful and and to get you sort of on the right track and to make sure you get a lot out of the MBA. So I love reading these, you know, it's just amazing to me that the, uh, I don't know, these, these students are, I mean, they're all bright and they're at these great schools, so it shouldn't surprise me, but they're just kind of quote machines. Like they always have these nice things to say (laughs) about that. But I, I, I completely concur with that sentiment. We've seen, we've seen that sentiment before, um, on a couple of occasions and it's absolutely um, correct. This is a great sort of process of introspection, really understanding where you are in your career to date, your future goals and that pathway going forward. So if you're going through all that, I mean, it's a great, um, you know, professional development experience, I think. Totally. So we've got, um, before we move into our candidates for this week, I did want to let people know we had a chance to sit down uh, with Paula Amorim, who is the director of admissions at ESA in Spain. And, you know, that was a Q&A that she did with Lauren on our team. Uh, and so that's been posted to the website. And actually, she shared something about the school that I didn't, uh, going to admit, I didn't know much about. She basically said that ESA has always been strong in sustainability and ESG, um, which I guess is environmental, social, and government or something like that. I can't remember what that stands for, but it's all related to sustainability. Um, and she mentioned that the school is very purpose-driven and given the mission to support leaders to have a positive, lasting impact. Responsible business has been the focus of the institution before it was in the mainstream. And she then says, our responsible business club has been running the largest student-run sustainability conference in Europe, which is called Doing Good, Doing Well, for over 20 years now. So they really have, it's funny because I didn't know this, but it's kind of a big uh, topic at their program. It's sort of a strength. So that's, and I know a lot of candidates are interested in that, which is why I wanted to underline it. No, that's huge. I mean, I didn't know it either. Yeah. It sort of brings to, to mind the, the very recent story of the, the, the 
founder of Patagonia and yeah. turning Patagonia, you know, his his you know shareholding of Patagonia over to a non for profit trust or whatever whatever the mechanics are. Yeah. But I mean, there's a brand that clearly is purpose driven, and um, it's yeah. Business schools, if they're not on that march for sustainability and purpose driven. Um, there's a big problem. Yeah. And by the way, ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. So just, I feel like I got that wrong, but in any event, so yeah, read the interview with Paula if you're interested in ESA, which is located in Barcelona, uh, in Spain. The other thing, Alex, is we've got two sets of stats. One is a class profile from Yale, and then we've got employment report numbers from Michigan Ross. So I'll start with the class profile at Yale. Uh, it turns out they have 347 students in the class that's just arrived on campus, which is almost identical. I guess they had 349 last year. So, you know, pretty much the same size class. The average GPA is 3.65. Last year it was 3.69. So just a, a tiny bit lower, but pretty much the same. Average GMAT 325, or sorry, <laughs> 725. Uh, last year that was 730, so a little bit lower this year. 64% of their um, students took the, the GMAT, and then the rest, 36%, took the GRE because Yale requires a test. Um, the average GRE score was a 330, so Yale continuing to have a very high average GRE, or rather a GRE that's actually in keeping with <laughs> with the GMAT kind of equivalent. Um, and last year their number there was 331, so just one, one point down. They have 43% women, same as last year. They've got 48% international students, that's up about 4%. And they have 24% of the kind of U.S. population in the student body are U.S. underrepresented minorities. And that's actually up from 20%, so up 4%. They didn't give us any details on application volume. I'm going to assume that it was down a bit since it's been down at most schools. But anything you have to say about Yale SOM's class profile? Yeah, the numbers basically demonstrate that app volume was down. And why do I say that? Um, Basically, they enrolled the same class size, mm-hmm. yet their statistics for that class profile are just down a little bit in mm-hmm. terms of the numbers, GMAT and, and GPA, mm-hmm. and they increase the international. That's a bit of a spigot that they can sort of turn on a little bit more to, to bolster. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a very good class profile, as, as Yale has, has been um, recently. But by holding that class number, size number, because some of the other schools actually dropped that number a little bit to yeah. maintain the, the GMAT and GPA scores. They maintain that number, drops a little bit G, GMAT, GPA, increased the international um, um, size a little bit. So, yeah, it indicates to me they're off about 15% yeah. on that volume, <laughs> just like their peers. Yeah, probably about that. Um, so, yeah, but but again, a really good, you know, very, yeah. very good stats, no, as you'd expect. I mean, it yeah. fits right in where, where they are in that yeah. tier just behind the M7. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so moving on to the employment report, we had Michigan Ross. I, I don't, I think they might be the first school to sort of um, do this, or maybe we've done one or two, I don't know, but this seems like the first one you and I are talking about this season. And, you know, the numbers I'll give you, we've got, you know, what percentage of the class was employed within three months of graduation? And that percentage is 99%. I've never seen a number that high. So that's a kind of interesting one we'll talk about. Median salary, $165,000. That's up $21,000 from last year. The median package that someone gets, which includes bonuses and stuff, um, is $192,000, also up about twenty-one dollars uh, In terms of where people went, 
42% of the class went into consulting, 17% to tech, 15 to finance, six to healthcare, and 5% to consumer packaged goods. So that's kind of interesting. I want to want to get your thoughts on that. And then the last stat that I wanted to share is that 98% of the student body found jobs in the United States. And that sort of spread out with like 30% in the Midwest, 24% in the Northeast, 24% in West. So that's even kind of, and then 8% Southwest, 7% Mid-Atlantic and 5% South. So Alex, what say you on this employment report? Well, it's very impressive, isn't it? Yeah. A big yeah. rise in the, um, the the starting salary, I suppose. And we chatted about this before we came on 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 air. It's probably a little bit of a function of an increased number of folks going to consulting, yeah, and those consulting pay packages going up, um, and 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 so forth. So I'm sure some of that's at play. That 99% number is quite extraordinary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well done to Ross. Yeah. I mean, this is why people get an MBA, and MBA is a means to an end, right? Not necessarily the short-term goal, i.e. the first job out, but they've done very well um, with that first job out. Let's see, hopefully it sustains through these folks' careers. Yeah, super impressive. Uh, and I think, you know, sure, some people might say, well, there's been some inflation, and so some of its cost of living increases. But I, I do think that, you know, it is impressive. They're, they're still getting a lot more than I make, <laughs> Yeah, <Graham>. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so on a relative scale, they're doing very well. Yeah, no, no, they're, they're doing great. Um, and I know that, you know, I think so some of what's happened is there's more of a battle between, I think, a tech and consulting is kind of going head to head to snatch up these candidates. And I feel like the consulting firms are winning a little bit here, at least. So, <laughs> looks like it. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say about that is that we we always marvel at how Ross does a really good job of spreading their graduates out across the United States. I mean, they are split with you know that twenty four percent to the West Coast, twenty four percent to the East, about thirty percent in the middle. So it's just interesting to see that, and I, I think they do a great job of that, and and that they're kind of forced to, right? Because they're, they're in, you know, Ann Arbor, which is not where not everyone's going to land in Ann Arbor, right? Whereas if a school's in New York city, that's a whole different ball game, right? Most people might land in New York, but they, they have the luxury of being able to kind of really parcel people out across the U S and, and that probably helps with their alumni networks and everything else. Yeah. Uh, the luxury or the necessity. Yeah. However you want to, <laughs> however you want to look at it. Uh, we don't have any events coming up. We, we wrapped up our essay insights, uh, events series last week. That was a lot of fun. I guess we do have something that's going to happen in November. It'll be for deferred enrollment candidates. So stay tuned on that front. The other thing, Alex, is we just haven't had any reviews of the podcast. People have been rating it and we continue to have a really great rating on Spotify and, and Apple, but I'd love a review. Like if you're listening to the show and you like it, just head over to Apple Podcasts where you can actually write out a quick review. We always love to see those. And you can also just email us as well if you want to say hi by writing into info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps. So Alex, without further ado, do you want to talk about these candidates that you've picked out? Let's kick on. All right. So this is wiretaps candidate number one. So our first entry this week is an ApplyWire post that you've pulled, and it's a candidate that's got 12 schools on the target list. And those schools are Columbia, Cornell, Dartmouth, Duke, Harvard, Kellogg, Rice, Stanford, Chicago Booth, Wharton, USC Marshall, and UVA Darden. They want to start school next fall. They've been working in corporate strategy, and they've got three years of work experience to date. 
they want to get into consulting and are thinking about Bain, BCG, or McKinsey, so kind of the usual three there. Their GRE score is kind of an off-the-charts 338. I don't think I've ever seen a score that high, just FYI. And their GPA is a 4.18. I'm kind of wondering what the scale is there. So I, I, I don't know. You had some exchange with them, so maybe we'll dig into that. Maybe it was out of five or something. But they're based in Lagos, Nigeria, where we have an increasingly large uh, contingent of listeners, I think, and, and, you know, and community members on our site. So you had an exchange with this candidate on the website, on that post, and I'd love to hear what you think about their candidacy. They did reveal, I believe, that they applied to eight of these schools in the first round or something, right? Yeah, I mean, they've applied to a lot of schools already in round one, which makes you a little bit queasy because applying to eight schools and, and doing the, the the heavy lifting to, to, to make sure that you you yeah, each application is as strong as it can be. Takes does take a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so, wish them best of luck for having done that. I mean, like you say, the GRE score is, is you know, it's kind of like someone getting a seven eighty, seven ninety on the GMAT. I mean, it's it's got to be super outstanding. I assume the GPA is strong. I I don't know um, specifically. We didn't get any any feedback on that. They worked in corporate strategy, so they're going to need to really show. Um, that impact and growth. They've only had three years of experience, so right. they're on the slightly shorter end in that regard. But I'm guessing that, you know, they, they're a little bit of a potential sort of superstar along the way. They say that they're already heavily involved in activities outside of work, which is outstanding. Yeah. Um, because often that's less the case for international students versus domestic U.S. students, where the culture there is is perhaps more more developed so um so i think there's there's potentially well potentially a lot of potential I, i'm potentially thinking <laughs> i got to be a bit more specific here but but uh, you know th- there's a lot of potential here if we know their long-term goal um which we don't um post consulting and sort of if they've got a really sort of you know a passion for for being a change agent in something really interesting and and they can tie it all together to to their story there's some ingredients here that I think will stand out Graham well obviously some of it does that 338 GRE <laughs> they're international from from Nigeria although you might argue Nigeria is getting a more of a common app pool yes um, but but yeah I think there's a lot to like you're stealing my thunder that was gonna be my big kind of insight which is that I think that uh, you know Nigeria which is the seventh most populated country in the world is starting to be a little bit overrepresented in the applicant pool I think that you know I've heard schools talking about this you know you get plenty of candidates from Nigeria now who want to go to the U.S. for an MBA. So, you know, I just want to mention that. I do think, though, that, you know, three years of experience in corporate strategy, wants to do consulting, 338 on the GRE, assuming the GPA is a 4.8 out of, you know, either four or five, it's probably fine. It'd be good to know a little bit more about that. And, you know, but but I feel like, yeah, like you said, a lot of the, a lot of the building blocks are here. They have good outside activities. I am worried like you about, wow, eight schools. They wrote at least eight schools, they, they said they were applying to in round one. And I was sort of thinking, uh-oh, you know, because you can't just dash these things off. Like every little piece takes time. And actually, when we were doing one of these essay workshops uh, last week with a bunch of leading MBA programs, I think it was a woman from Pat Harrison from Tuck who was talking about how, you know, pay attention to the, you know, the application form 
put your time in, you know, when you're filling out activities, when you're, you know, kind of listing everything and answering all these little questions we have, because that stuff matters too. And I, I worry that sometimes if someone's just throwing out a whole bunch of apps at once in a, in a single round, it can get, you know, you can get sloppy yeah. uh, and you, you know, you got to be on your game to get into these programs. So we'll see. I mean, the good news is, is that this candidate will get a lot of feedback in a very short <laughs> period of time here. And they could then, you know, think about, okay, well, what do I need to do in the second round? I mean, that, that's really what it's going to come down to is just see what, see what happens and, you know, do they need to adjust their strategy in any way yeah. going forward? The, the only other thing I, I would add is in terms of that targeting strategy, they, they look to spread their risk. Um, across different tiers. So you've got the likes of um, um, Harvard and Stanford and and Wharton in there. You've got other M7 Mm -hmm. in there like Kellogg and and Columbia. You've got the next tier like Tuck, and then you've got Duke and and Johnson. Then you've got the, the, the next tier in terms of Marshall and so on and so forth. So they have spread their risk. Um, in, in terms of targeting, but it's still a lot, a lot of schools. Yeah, agreed. Um, so I appreciate them sharing their profile. Hopefully they'll give us a little more detail. I mean, it'd be great to know, you know, more specifics, like you said, about the long-term goal, even about their undergraduate education or anything else they're willing to share. Um, but I want to wish them the best of luck as they head into the process here and, and start to get news on those round one applications. Uh, let's move on though and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another ApplyWire entry that you've selected. It's a candidate, again, targeting the fall of 23, and they're applying right now. Uh, I guess they're going to be hopefully getting in applications. It sounds like, I don't know if they already sent some in or they're working on round two, but in any event, they've got Columbia, Harvard, MIT, Kellogg, Stern, Chicago, and USC Marshall on the target list. This candidate is an engineer. Uh, She is female, 26 years old, attended a top 25 undergraduate college and earned a GPA of 3.54. Her GMAT score is a 720 and she's got three years of experience, just like our last candidate. She mentions that, you know, in college, she was a collegiate club leader um, and a founder. And and I guess she's also working now as an alumni group board member. She started a women's group at her company. And yeah, so it sounds like she's pretty active outside of the office and, and even while she was in school, she was active too. So what do you make of this candidate, um, Alex? Because she's got some very top schools on her list. And I guess you could say that her numbers, both the GMAT and GPA, are like just a hair below the average at the places like you know Harvard or MIT and stuff on her list. Yeah, um, that's fair enough. But I would argue that this is probably a very, very strong candidate. Um, you know, 26, female engineer, also involved in activities outside of directly work, direct work, set up their companies, women's group, et cetera, et cetera. So this is someone that likes to get um, involved. Um, we don't know what her um, post-MBA career um, goals are, um, unfortunately, but if she can show impact and growth at work, um, and if she can show a really good storyline and so on and so forth, frankly, she she's going to be very attractive for the M7 group of schools. Um, why do I say that? Well, we've been, you know, the last several um, episodes of Wiretaps have made it pretty clear 
that app volumes last season were down, app volumes were down more so in the domestic app pool. So if you're going to find someone in that domestic app pool that has some really appealing um, characteristics, they're going to really stand out, um, frankly, Graham, in, in my book, in the first round this season, so um, or even in the second round. So I think there's potentially going to be a lot to like here. And you say, you know, the numbers are slightly off average. I think a 354 out of an engineering degree right. <laughs> is going to be equivalent to an art history degree uh, with a three, well, well, whatever grade. <laughs> no, art and actually, to be, good, <laughs> to be fair, I was just trying to kind of play devil's advocate because I totally agree with you. I mean, it's it's not only that, you know, sure, both these numbers are like slightly below average, but they're both slightly below average, which is better than, you know, one being way out of whack or something. Thing, right she's right on the cusp for both of them and as you said she studied engineering um, there aren't going to be a ton of female engineers in the application process so i i absolutely think this person is going to go to a very top mba program assuming she executes well on her application materials i mean again she didn't specify she just said that her post mba career is other and so i don't know you know what specifically she has in mind as long as she can be compelling about it i think yeah she should be in really good shape yeah yeah, very good shade, Graham. Yeah, yeah. So so we like, and the reason why I selected this candidate, as you say, we don't have a lot, a lot of data. Um, and, and she didn't respond to a couple of my uh, queries on, on, on ApplyWire, which is fair enough. But um, it, I just wanted to highlight that point. I mean, uh, a female engineer is typically going to um, stand out on top of it being a domestic candidate in this current environment. And why do I focus on female engineer is, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just about getting the, the demographic profiles for the schools, but as an engineer, as a female engineer, you are kind of in the minority um, yeah. amongst your peers. So you've probably had to overcome some hurdles to get to where you are today that perhaps you're your peers haven't had you know to face the same set of challenges so if that comes through in the application um then then that's going to be um really good and again this the, the idea that she set up a women's group within her company yeah. signals to me that there was a need for that group within the company because of these particular issues. So right. yeah, I think there's potentially a lot to like here. Yeah, I would encourage her to reach out to the women in business club at each of her, you know, target schools, get to know, you know, just do some networking. That's a great way to kind of get in touch with business schools and, and connect with current students. I, yeah, I would be shocked if this person doesn't get into a top school. Again, assuming she executes well, I'm guessing she didn't respond to your comments, Alex, because she's waiting to hear us talk about her candidacy on the show and pro probably just, you know, a, a, a religious podcast listener and, and we'll, you know, yeah. kind of write back after she hears us <laughs> uh, talking good, good about Good luck it. with that thought, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, in any event, I want to thank her for submitting her profile and wish her the best of luck, whether she's already applied or is applying in the second round here. Um, again, I think good things await. We, we shall see. Um, but let's uh let's move on and talk about wiretaps candidate number three so this is our third entry of the week and it's another apply wire a post that you've selected alex and again a candidate targeting next fall uh, this candidate's been working in software and semiconductor supply chain stuff we'll get into what all that <laughs> means in a moment they're applying to 11 schools or at least that's the number of schools they currently have on the list um, i believe they have yet to submit any they're, they're focusing on round two so they've got duke georgetown georgia tech nyu rice uh, washington foster ucla unc usc 
uh, UT Austin and Darden. So big range of schools there. The GRE score is a 322. They've got a GPA uh, which they list as a 78th percentile. So I guess they, um, you know, uh, well we'll learn more. But they, they went to undergraduate in Canada and they studied electrical engineering. They went to the top ranked engineering school in the country, which is uh, University of Waterloo. And I actually did a little digging on this and it actually is, it's a, it's a really top school for electrical engineering. In fact, it even places in the top 20 or so in the world for that discipline. So in any event, um, the one other wrinkle is that this candidate went to Canada to get that degree and has stayed since and worked, but they originally are from India. So there could be some things we want to talk about with respect to that. They're currently based in Toronto where they've been working for the last eight years, so a little bit older as well. Uh, and they want to land in New York, the Bay Area, or Seattle after business school. So I'll stop there. They did mention they work in ECAD. They work for like a publicly traded ECAD software company. So we can we can get into what that means too, Alex, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I know you Googled it, right? I had to, yeah. Well, I, know, I mean, you know, I, I'd heard of CAD, computer-aided design. You know, I know architects use CAD software, but ECAD is like, it stands for electrical computer-aided design. And so at first I'm like, well, wait, all computers are electrical. What the heck is this about? <laughs> but, but it's for when you're actually designing components like circuit boards or maybe semiconductors, all that stuff. If you use software to build those things and design them, you use ECAD software apparently. So I, I learned something um, in, in reading this profile. I will encourage this candidate to not lose the admissions reader in jargon when they apply. Cause you know, I, you know, I Googled it, but some admissions officers will just be like, what? I'm not gonna, you know, they don't have time, right? So in any event, I'll let, what do you think of this candidate? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think that that's a very important point that needs to, that they need to address is just make sure that their impact and growth at work, which are the two measures that I really like to focus on um, in the professional setting, is easily understood mm -hmm. by the admissions readers um, and not lost in the, the translation, as it were, from, from, from specifically what they're doing. I mean, it does sound to me like their work experience is on the stronger end of the spectrum. Um, and they've, you know, they, they're doing some interesting things and they're working with directly with um, customers yeah. um, on integration issues and data transfer issues and, and so on and so forth. So, so, so I think from that perspective, I think their work experience is probably pretty good as long as it translates or as long as they translate it um, effectively. Um, I, I do, um, you know, and, you know, respect the, you know, they're, they're from the University of Waterloo. I've actually been to Waterloo wow. um, um, in my, in my pre previous life. And I lived in Toronto for a little while. Got it. Um, so, so um, that, that's very good. Um, the concern that I have, Graham, is that India origin mm. in Canada, I mean, I know you'll say, well, that puts them a little bit ahead of folks um, in the, still in India. Nothing wrong with being Indian, by the way. It's no. just you're going to be overrepresented right, right. Um, in the pool, and that creates challenges. They're targeting round two, um, so that decision's already been made. I mean, round ones are pretty much done anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's going to present some additional challenges. So I'm going to push back on them and say, is that 322 GRE representative of your best test score? Mm. Um, and I want to challenge them because if they, you know, 
sh sh shortcutted the preparation for the GRE just to get the test done and and saw the results as well it's kind of near the average i'm going to move on i think that might be a mistake um, i do like the spread of schools that they're targeting right so um, they're, they're not just focusing on m7 um, they're sort of in that top 16 and top 20 sort of spectrum in terms of where they're targeting so i think there's some realism in in terms of that so well done um, for that but even though the GRE score might be at average for some of the schools that they're targeting. If it's not their best score, I really challenge them to, 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 to push it up. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, that might be the tipping point that gets them into the higher end of the, you know, the top 16 versus the top 20. Yeah. Or, or maybe there's some scholarship money involved. Yeah, you're making an interesting point because here we are, you know, it's early October. These deadlines are January. And so yeah. in theory, although they're going to have their work cut out for them writing essays, they, they could, you know, get another test sitting in. And if they... It's the only aspect that they have meaningful control of right. in the next several months. I mean, they have control of over other aspects. I get the right recommenders and coach them effectively and do all that other stuff. But the one, how can they shift the needle? That 322 doesn't sound to me like it's representative of an electrical engineer who's wicked smart and has done some really interesting things at work. That's my point. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, and I think, you know, the only other thing I wanted to mention is that, so so I think our advice to them would be, you know, obviously get your ducks in a row and, and do well writing these applications for the second round. Uh, make sure that your, you know, your, your essays are compelling. They're not jargon ridden and all that stuff. Um, yeah. But that the other thing is, yeah, maybe retake that GRE because if they can boost that score such that it's a kind of outlier on the other side of the average of, for a lot of these schools, that would be tremendous. And as you say, it, it will not only increase their admissions odds, but it could potentially open up scholarship dollars. Yeah. So I would, I would have a go with that. I do want to mention their outside activities. It doesn't seem like they have a ton going on. I mean, they do some, um, I guess they do some outdoor stuff and they also, mentioned that they are a pizza maker, that they make their own sauce and dough from scratch. So that's kind of a fun tidbit. You know, it's funny, as soon as they mentioned that, I was like, well, not only did I get hungry, but I, I was thinking about how, oh, th this is going to be, when someone reads the file, they'll be like, oh, it's the electrical engineer pizza maker guy, you know? So, yeah. so I think it's, um, that that's a useful in an interesting outside activity. I, I hope they have a couple of other things too. I, I got to go back and, and look at the post that they left, but I, I thought they had said that, um, yeah, they're, they're a hiker. So yeah. yeah, I think it'd just be good for them. Ideally they maybe go on hikes with other people or, you know, there's some kind of organization to it and they're regularly going, um, or maybe they're turning their homemade pizza stuff into an opportunity to be social and invite people over. But in any event, I, yeah, there, there's potentially a lot to like here, as you would say, Alex. But yeah, maybe retake that test. That would not hurt. That's for sure. No, no, yeah, no. Lots. I mean, again, hopefully, lots of potential. I like their realism in terms of their target programs. Um, I'm a little bit queasy about round two, and therefore, let's get the GRE and see if we can boost that. Yeah, 
Okay. Uh, well, I want to thank that person for sharing. Uh, hopefully our advice has been instructive. We'll see how it goes. They can keep us posted by leaving comments on their entry. I think everyone knows this, but if you leave comments and like people's comments, uh, you those, those who accumulate likes get stars, and we have a kind of star system on the site. So you'll see as the season goes on here, people will start to have a little star by their name, and I think you can get up to three stars eventually by accumulating as many as 90 likes or something. Um, and so in any event, yeah, keep an eye on that stuff as the season progresses here. And yeah, Alex, we'll do it all over again in one week's time. And I uh, appreciate you picking out these candidates for discussion today. Some interesting stuff. Yeah, very good. Best luck, everyone. Stay safe.